Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, it's time for Cofield and Company's legal insider, Justin Watkins, on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. It's here. Justin Watkins is in, our uh, voice of reason, sometimes hockey insider, Adam Hill. Along as well, Finley Soda Studios. Damon is uh, steering the ship today. Justin, what's going on, buddy? Nothing, man. I'm uh, excited uh, to watch some UFC in Mexico City this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Adam was just talking about that. I'm jealous of his trip down there. That's going to be super cool. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. What? What? Oh, we're putting this out publicly? I didn't. Yeah, fine. I, yeah, I said it was going away. Here we go. Oh, I didn't know that that was uh, protected information, but that's super cool. I've, yeah. I've always wanted to go yeah. see some sort of event in Mexico City. So, yeah, UFC's was, cool. The the rematch I've been waiting for uh, was I thought was going to be in Vegas, mm-hmm. and uh, they announced it for Mexico City, and some of me and my friends were talking one night, and we were like, let's go. Heck yeah. Like, let's go watch it. To see, I mean, to see Mexican fighters on a card in Mexico, it's, it's going to be crazy I, i'm very excited for that yep it's super easy to get to direct flights so well you, you're not taking direct if you, you know you gotta you gotta, you gotta cut corners where you can it's a little expensive but yeah it's a if you want to go very affordably there's some stops to be made there's a there's a base bargain basement airline that there flies is. out of mexico that there goes is, direct but, but uh it was even cheaper to not go direct <laughs> okay It'll be it'll be interesting. It's gonna yeah. be an interesting experience. But I'm excited for it. Yeah, and Adam's, and Adam uh, Adam did chuckle yeah. when you said I was the voice of reason on the way in. That's I think true. He, he no longer. Well, sometimes, sometimes you <laughs> yeah. are. On this show, yes. Yeah, that's true. On this show, for sure. Um, Adam is is turning into a big fan of the Tijuana Airport, oh, which I'm intrigued by as well. I've yes, I wish I wish that was the that was the case for this trip. But yeah, I've oh, I thought you were going out. I thought you were taking a domestic flight from no, there to Mexico City. No, we're going from here and then like making t- two stops. <laughs> no, wow. uh, no, but I've t- I've told people. Well, I don't want to tell too many people because it's getting too crowded there. But uh, my friends just flew round trip to Paris for like four hundred dollars. Like Tijuana. it's crazy, and, and th- there's an American terminal oh, at cool. the Tijuana Airport now. Yeah, so it's you can fly anywhere in the world. But you do it from Mexico, but from America. You check in in America. You park in America. You you walk to the gate, which is in Mexico, and then fly. It's awesome. It's incredible. Yeah. But unfortunately, not on this trip. <laughs> this trip yeah. would have been great. Damon, please dump that forty-five seconds. Dump, dump, yeah. dump, dump. Don't dump. tell. Yeah. Okay. Don't tell people. It's it's too don't, much. Definitely do not podcast it. Yeah. If for those that are oh my goodness for those that are going to like Cancun and Cabo, because then it's a domestic flight. Yeah. So you don't have to go through customs when you get there. You've already done it at the airport. Yep. So, like, for people that have gone down there, you know, like, you have to wait, like, two hours to go through customs sometimes. Not anymore. It's a domestic flight. So, what, do you drive down there or you fly into you San Diego? You fly and then take an Uber. Uber. It's like a 20-minute yeah. Uber. Yeah. Well, cool. And then you just walk right into the airport. It's great. You don't have to cross the border. You don't have to go into Mexico. It's great. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't wait for some really exciting travel stories. Um, I have one for you. It was, it's a debate that I had uh, walking up a hill because everything in Colorado is on a hill. <laughs> a good exercise, though. Um, I went to a local convenience store. I got a coffee, a big coffee, and I got a couple of breakfast sandwiches. Um, I then asked for a bag. What do you think they said? Oh, boy. Ten cents? Ten cents. No, not at this place, because I was told ten cents. By the way, I paid 15 cents in California last time. Um, And and here's the thing. I now travel with the bags, because I'm like, I'm not paying 15 cents. But I I happened to forget my bag on the California trip. Um, 
No, this young lady at this convenience store said, we don't have bags. Wow. Okay. I was like, is that state law? She's like, uh, I don't I don't know. And then I asked about grocery stores, and she's like, well, they have paper bags. I have a, I have a debate for you guys, or at least a point to bring up. Yep. What's more important, getting rid of the bags in society or taking cars off the road and having fat asses like myself walk more? Uh, well, because I need I because I, I go to convenience stores when I'm on the road and I will load up with some waters and but I, I usually I, I'm willing to walk you know I walk whatever it's not it's not a ton of distance I don't want to get laughed at but I'll you know I'll walk a eight nine tenths of a mile maybe a mile to do it <laughs> I would like a bag so do you want us lard asses out of our cars and walking which by the way has become a real danger I got I say that all the time it's pedestrians versus the cars out there um, but what's more important Justin you're the voice of reason. I think they're both important. I think we want less cars on the road, and we want less plastic in yeah, the how environment. Many, how many things are you buying? Can't you just carry what you're buying? Yeah. No. I you usually said, buy two. a drink and two sandwiches. That's already more items than he has hands. I'm on Steve. I'm with Steve on this one. Pocket. I, I had to take a breakfast sandwich, put it in a pocket. Yeah, that's I fine. wanted to buy two big waters. Couldn't buy them. Why not? Why not? Too much to carry. I, what am I going to go up a hill with with these yeah, giant things? They're like weights. And I'm trying to dodge cars? Because that's I, reality. I, I don't in every know. other market, you've got to dodge cars. I, I, don't, I don't really have any sympathy yeah, for one, you here. One under dude. each like, arm? Like, you go, to, you go to a convenience store, uh, like, nine times out of ten, I say no to the bag. And most of the time, they're like, really? You kind of got a lot of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I got it. I walked up here without a bag. <laughs> I could walk out of here without a bag. You know? I got it to the counter. I can get it off the counter. Wow. You're right. I can overcome. I just mentioned that I, I, I keep the bags that I buy because I'm really cheap. So I should always have a bag on me. Yeah. So that's what, it is It is kind of my fault. I should be aware. <laughs> so uh, we've just come around to you don't need a bag. You don't need a bag. You can so, walk and Sometimes you don't need I, a bag. I just need to talk it out, man. Yeah. That's right, what the show's enough. for. Fair well, enough. I think you, guys, you should be getting two big waters every time, and those should be your, your walking weights. Swing and I was just thinking that. And, just and then, lifting them the whole yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> it's this. This is like uh, the hotel that uh, that we stay at is like it's it's way up on a hill, man. It's a good it's a good walk up the hill. So I'm, I'm not in summer shape when I'm down about three pounds. My cardio is better. <laughs> You've just left us stunned, I feel like. Yep. Yes. Uh, my whole existence is kind of stunning. Yeah. Uh, VGK yesterday, Adam, lay out the story for us here. Not Oof. fun. Oof. Three straight home losses now. They did not play terribly well yesterday. Um, they a couple of players talked about just being, you know, out physical, even especially early in the game. Uh, they maybe maybe had too easy of a game on Monday against San Jose that was kind of insinuated a little bit and never really got into the flow and uh, fell behind. weren't able to rally all the way back. So they now have three straight losses uh, after only five losses in their first twenty four, excuse me, twenty six games at home this year. They've had three in their last three. They have one more home game and then a brutal road trip. Uh, Shea Theodore did return last night, but of course, injury giveth, injury taketh away. Mark Stone injured, did not return. And uh, Bruce Cassidy wasn't thrilled after the game, so I don't know if that meant anything about Stone or if it meant something about the team, but uh, not a whole lot of like excitement and enthusiasm after that one last night. And one game left against Toronto before they go on the road. Well, I mean, I think uh, obviously great news to get Shea back. Not great news for Mark Stone. Um, it didn't seem like he broke anything, um, so it doesn't. It, I wouldn't guess that he's going to be out for thirty games. 
you know, more of a head injury, it seemed like. Maybe. Took a huge hit at the end of the second yeah. period. Right. That was penalized. Yes. And, uh, I mean, m- more than the injuries is is our special teams is just really, really bad right now. But, yeah. but in any case, I don't think any of this matters right now. I think they're kind of locked into the two or three. Well, and it's, I think you'd rather have home ice against Edmonton if you're gonna if you're gonna play them. They didn't need home ice last time. Edmonton's better than they were. Home ice didn't mean anything last time, though. But uh, why? Why answer me that? Why is Edmonton better than what they were last year? Oh, they're just they're just better now than they were last year. They How? were so bad at the beginning of the year, and now they're one of the best teams in the league over the last two months. I know, but they were the best team in the league going in. They were the Stanley Cup favorites going into the playoffs last year, sure. and they have the same team that they did last year, same goalie, who now all of a sudden everybody thinks he's wonderful when he was not wonderful. I mean, I think coaching and defensive system is, is different. Sure. I think they got better coaching t- today than they did last year. Well, goalies goalies can be different yep. year to year, too. I mean, Totally. And you know, Aiden Hill still has some of the best stats in the league, and he's had some rough games lately. Well, so last night don't was – was maybe the worst of of the season, um, coming off of a good good game by Thompson. But I mean, that's San Jose. You, should, yeah. you better have a good game against <laughs> San Jose. San Jose is not good. Yeah. So I I don't know. I I, I largely don't think any of this matters right now. Uh, if they had won two or three of this home stand, they would be within four points or so, six points of Vancouver, and maybe we're playing for the one seed. But I don't think there's any chance we're catching. Vancouver right now yeah and the Knights, it, Knights three game home losing streak has coincided with a three game losing streak from Vancouver if you win those three games you're only yep. t- four points back right four now. points with two games in hand too yeah. so that would have been you know virtually a tie uh, heading down the stretch I actually think it wouldn't be a terrible thing if we ended up in the wild card um, just to avoid a first round matchup against Edmonton I think Edmonton the further they go in the playoffs the weaker they get because they're so top heavy and they get exhausted. I think a first round is about the worst time to play Edmonton. Well, I think you'd probably rather v- play Vancouver than Edmonton anyway. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you yeah. need to be out of that two or three spot. Yeah. Yeah. They, they still have some losing to do to get there, though. Yeah, yeah. It, it takes some work. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take some work. I mean, they're basically in third right now. Edmonton's got so many games in yeah, hand. It's true. That they're essentially in third. Yeah. And but the Kings have been winning lately after yeah, their I just long. I don't think the Kings are very good. Drought. I don't know. They're definitely not. Yeah, so we'll see how that ends up playing out. But for right now, uh, Knights, I would say, are struggling. And after this game, they go to Ottawa, to Toronto, to Boston. Uh, I'm trying to think the rest of this trip is – it's not – It's not Columbus is not good, but, you know, it's still a long trip. So five games going through March 4th after tomorrow. So you won't see the Knights at home for quite a while. Tomorrow's your last chance, and it's a good one against uh, Toronto and Austin Matthews, who scores every single time he steps on the ice. Yes. Seven goals in his last three games. Yeah, sometimes multiple times. <laughs> sometimes back-to-back Hatties. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. on pace, what, for 75 goals right now? Ten goals ahead of second place yeah. in the NHL right now. Yeah. It's crazy. The good news is about that road trip is uh, VGK seems to play up to their competition on these on these road trips. Um, and in, in particular, and maybe it's a Bruce Cassidy effect, um, other than the drought earlier this season, they typically play well against the Eastern Conference. So... Yeah. Uh, hopefully that trend can continue. Um, I don't know. Is there any news on Eichel? When's he's coming back? It sounds like it's about two to three weeks away, oh, maybe. Maybe a little less. I mean, Shea Theodore kind of came from out of nowhere and just started practicing, and then he was back, and uh, we'll see. But I know they're going to be cautious. Like, they should make the playoffs. Yeah. There's really no reason to 
to rush some of these guys back. You want to have them playing and back and yeah. getting in rhythm and that sort of thing, but no reason to rush it. Yeah, you got to have them for like the final ten games. Yeah. You know, get up to speed and get. The, I mean, there's only been I think one or two games where a full lineup has actually been in this, yeah. the, in a game. I believe yesterday was the first time they had their their top six defensemen in the same game. Uh, the second time. This yeah, year. second time. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Tomorrow, what happened? You like? I thought you like yelled something when I was talking. No. No. You're okay. <laughs> what you, happened? You seem nervous over there. What's Don't put on? me on the spot. What happened? He's, like right in the middle, I just heard something come from you. I was like, "What? What was that?" Paul Gutierrez <laughs> and I are talking about a show on Netflix. Jeez. <laughs> okay. Warrior. You're reacting. You're reacting to a text. Yeah. Well, he. I know Paul just posted a bunch of photos of like the actors from that. Yes, he's sending them to me now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I believe they were at the media, the Super Bowl media party, and I don't think anybody knew who they were except for Paul. Which was wild. That seems like a Justin show. Did you watch Warrior? No. Okay. Neither did I. So on Netflix, 1870 San Francisco, you know, martial arts guy comes into town, wrecking shop. Okay. If you like, <laughs> if you like kicks, if you like kicks and fist, this is the show for you. Not really my thing. Go. For I mean, is it like an old school kung fu movie? Yeah. So basically, but just in a TV show. All right. Uh, no, probably not. Yeah, you'd love it. <laughs> You're out. You'd love it. Me? It's a good period. It's a good period piece, and it shows just how racist we were against Asians. <laughs> uh, it, no, it really, it's very interesting. You guys it's are very, not very really selling me on this. <laughs> Bruce Lee inspired. Bruce Lee came up with the idea pieces. for the show, but you know, yeah. obviously. Well, we appreciate uh, Paul Gutierrez interjecting into the show, even though uh, <laughs> we weren't expecting that. So, on the way back, let's get to uh, what happened to the Pack Two and. Justin's Oregon State Beavers, did they get completely screwed in this new college football playoff alignment? You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Justin Watkins in studio, Battleborn Injury Lawyers. The office is in Reno and Vegas and downtown Las Vegas and Henderson, anywhere in the state of Nevada, you call 766-1400. And as someone says, it's all about customer service. <laughs> I right. like that a lot. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. But I would like to see a billboard with you getting out of uh, some sort of Rolls-Royce Phantom. It's much more like you'd see me getting out of like an F-150. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say giant lifted pickup truck. There you go. Now you can flex a muscle and hold a hammer. Let's do it. I Wait, let's do it. Were, you at, were you at the game last night? Uh-uh. Night's game. Uh-uh. They had a new promotion where you can you can win a ridiculous car. They do that thing where they they have a little cutout in okay. the goal from you have to do it from like the from center ice. Okay. And try to make it into a very little thing, but the car was pretty sick. Like that's the kind of car I'd like to see just rolling around in. It's like a bright yellow sports car. It was pretty awesome. That's not gonna happen. Yeah, it'd be great. It's not gonna happen. No. <laughs> Doesn't go with All right, the well, the uh, the Pac-2 having uh, any sort of voting rights, they have the voting rights, but um, being treated like a uh, like they were when they were in the Pac-12, that's out the window. We've now got in college football for the playoffs, 12-team format, a 5-plus-7 setup here. Do you feel like Washington State and Oregon State got screwed? No, um, only because Washington State's athletic director was one of the unanimous votes. So... He made an argument that um, that the six plus six is actually better for the pack two uh, than the five plus seven. Um, we would obviously won't have a championship, um, so 
I, I don't think it's realistic to to act like whoever has the best record out of those two or whoever wins the head-to-head should get an automatic bid to the college football playoff. I think that would um, you know, sort of fly they, in the face. I of, think they should. The, the, if one team is like 2-12, and 12, yeah. but they had one win over the other. Like yeah. you're in, you, yeah. won, you won the conference. But I do think uh, – I, I have to believe that that – they got some assurances that if they rebuild the pack, that 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 there is that they would get back to automatic qualifying status. Um, and the 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 reason I say that is they they are one of the board. Uh, I'm sorry, charter members of the NCAA in the first place. That can't be taken away. They do have some veto power so long as they keep their charter. Now, if the Big Ten and the SEC break off from the NCAA, which seems like we're in the initial steps of that happening, then that sort of all goes away. But then the rebuilt Pac-12 and the Big 12 and whatever's left of an ACC are all sort of in the same boat, and they have to figure that out. Um, so to, to answer your question, I don't feel like they got screwed. Um, you know, the, the reality is, is in the old Pac-12, Oregon State, you know, would basically have to run the table or get one loss and win the championship to to get into a playoff, even with twelve spots. Um, so they're in no different position. They need to win. They need to win all their games. Maybe lose one game um, if it's a Power Five. You know, if it's like an Oregon game and they're in the top five to make the playoff. Do you still? Do you still think? I mean, you mentioned it there. You still think their goal at some point is to rebuild the conference? No, I think their goal is to join. Like, well, you know what? It depends on what happens to the ACC, uh, because <clears throat> if the ACC implodes like the Pac-12, which seems like they're on that track, and Stanford and Cal say, "All right, we'll come back and let's build, let's build up from here. Let's grab a couple of ACC teams. Let's let's do six and six or something like that on each coast." Um, then maybe I think Stanford and Cal will always have a hard problem building up with some of the Mountain West schools that they see as academically inferior. Um, they've always pointed to like Boise State as that that primary example of that. Um, but I don't. I think if they got a Big Twelve invite tomorrow, they would go. Of course, they would go. Mm. Um, but I don't. I don't think the Big Twelve is going to do that just because they need to see what happens to ACC first. Is I guess. You talked about getting potentially some assurances in this. Is that something that you could do in writing? I mean, is, is it possible to be like, hey, we'll do this? Or, or do they have to trust if they in a, in a situation like this? It's like, yeah. hey, come on. We'll be all right, right? Well, it could be stated on the record in the vote, you know. Um, and and is that binding on the parties? It's not binding, but, man, it sure puts somebody's word to shame <laughs> if you say – I'm I'm making this vote based on the assurances made by the chairman that um, if the Pac, you know, Pac-12 conference gets back to ten or above members, that they have will go back to a six and six model, or five, I'm sorry, five and seven model, or one of the five. Okay, uh, you state that on a record; it's pretty hard to claw that back. I mean, these guys all deal with each other all the time, and they're and they're you know, it's their reputations that is their commodity. While we're uh, dealing with sports issues, we have talked a lot about the stadium again, and I don't want to dig too much more into the details, but I did have one thought yesterday when we were talking about this that I wanted to run by you since you have been there in the legislature. I feel like the deal wasn't given the appropriate scrutiny the first time around, but if the A's were to come back again, 
should I have enough faith in the legislature that they're like, hold on. Why didn't this work? What? Who were we in business? What happened here? I oh got to be careful about no. <laughs> the things that I can say here. Okay. Um, I don't think it, – it depends on what they're coming back for. If they're coming back on some sort of proposal that needs 50 plus one, they probably have those votes. Ugh. If they're coming back on a proposal that needs two-thirds, I don't think that they have those votes. Remember, two thirds is the a budget issue, right? Any appropriation, any new tax. Okay, so the Raiders, you know, increased room tax. Okay, so that required two thirds. They got the two thirds, although it was a battle. Now you also got to remember, next legislative session is going to look very different. There's there'll be twelve new members, so you can't really even count your votes right now. You don't know who's going to win. You, you could. Maybe start backing some of your horses if you if you think you need to go back, um, and by all accounts, if they want to make this work in Vegas, they're probably going to have to go back. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. <laughs> Which sounds just gonna... crazy. Yeah, it's wild. Well, there's a, there's a I, I mean, you're saying fifty percent in one case. If they need to change the site, what is that? Is that fifty percent or is that two thirds? Isn't it isn't it appropriation because it's still money even though the money's already been passed it'd be a whole new bill to get a new you're being careful in this one <laughs> Justin knows more than he can say so we got to be a little bit careful I mean there's I, a I, there's we, a lawsuit in Carson City about this yes, issue yeah that's all what I'll say okay, okay. so it's it's, um, it's yet to be decided interesting I mean what's your read on what's happened the last couple of weeks Justin in terms of pub I mean, I think there's now you're seeing multiple parts of the country like, what the hell's going on here? And now there's two cities heavily scrutinizing, at least the public is, some in the public, heavily scrutinizing the A's and John Fisher, now Oakland, and I think a lot more people here are waking up to it. Uh, Mayor Goodman came out, and then the uh, Independent uh, backed her by saying, yeah, she's probably right when she said a couple of weeks ago that she doesn't understand why they're coming here. They should just stay in Oakland. So it has not been a good two or three weeks of pub for the A's. Definitely not. I mean – I, I to be honest with you, I don't think they've had good pub on this from the get go. I th- I think that they sort of they they didn't handle this right. If you remember, they waited until the very end of the session to to even put something forward that almost killed the deal before it got done. But then it turns out they weren't even ready with a the design. They were just shopping around a, some some graphic art of, of, of stadium, and then we still don't still have. Aren't. But but I'll tell you this: there's there's a. A lot that can be read about that lawsuit that I can't comment on that you could read for yourself. But I'll say this. One of the most telling things to me was most recently MGM just threw up their hands. They're like, we're going to do a pedestrian bridge. We're ready for permitting, but we're just canceling it. Yeah. <laughs> like, to a pedestrian bridge to what? Yeah, we're out. <laughs> <laughs> to an empty lot? They Because John Fisher was saying – he told the chamber, the only reason you guys haven't seen the design, our design's done, but the hotel design's not done, so you're waiting on that. But if that were the case, I don't think MGM would be pulling out on their permitting or their pedestrian no. bridge. But, but they're like, we've never seen well, a stadium. The, and the hotel said, we'll, we'll, we'll do our design when we see your design. <laughs> like, we can't put, put our design up without knowing what you're doing. Oh, my it's, gosh. That that to me was the biggest thing when it was like, hey, it was the Spider-Man thing of like, no, you, no, you. Like, nobody has any idea. I think, they're going, I, I, think, <laughs> I think they're going to Salt Lake. Salt Lake wants them. Take them. 
Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> Good. Exactly. Sweet. Justin Watkins with us. Battleborn Injury Lawyers. You can give him a call at 766-1400. Let me go back to one more thing on the, uh, the, the college football playoff deal here. So Washington State Prez, Kirk Schultz, said uh, to Kirk Dellinger, in a new 12-team playoff uh, proposal, they were asking for four automatic qualifiers from one conference. Brett McMurphy reads that as that would be eight from the SEC and the Big Ten. I say this all the time. When are we going to launch into action and start doing preemptive moves on this? You know what they're going to try and do. ACC, Big 12, Mountain West, AAC. What are we doing? Well, I, I actually think you're, you're in a tough spot because I think anybody would be happy to have their program invited to the SEC or Big Ten at this point, and they're eventually going to break off. I mean, that's just – they're going to start a new league um, that's going to have, I don't know, 30 teams in each of those conferences, and it's a top 60, and they're going to have a whole different set of rules. They're going to have a unified NIL policy. They're going to have a – you know, they'll have it figured out because they get to build it from the ground up, and they're not stuck with all this bureaucracy and history that the NCAA has so twisted um, out of – step with modern athletics in college um so i i think i think all those leftovers are going to have a hard time other than maybe um there's a chance that maybe they turn out a better product to watch than what the big 10 and sec do which will be you know sort of triple a football whereas the remaining conferences if they stay in their own strata together will have a more true college athlete, um, you know, sort of uh, environment, which I'll tell you, like. Let's uh, let, let tell, tell us on the other side, because we're up against it here. We'll continue on this, the fight against the Big Ten and the SEC. He's going to dribble it out, and the Blue Jays have never flown higher for the first time in program history. They've beaten number one. Welcome back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, rolling on. Justin Watkins. Uh, Justin, you were finishing up a point about the oncoming war between the Big 12, the ACC, the Mountain West, the AAC, other group of five conferences against the SEC and the Big Ten, which I will throw in again before you finish up here. Everyone in Nevada, well, not everyone, many people in Nevada should be livid that your schools are on the outside looking in, but Alabama and Mississippi are in. Think about that. In 2024. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, history and money have have a lot to to do with that, right? And, um, you know, UNLV and UNR and a lot of the Mountain West schools can talk about, hey, we should be included. But when you look at their investment from a financial standpoint as compared to the G5 schools, I mean, it's order of magnitudes difference. I mean, that, that that's the crux there. Now, what I wanted to say is like at the end of the day with this break off and, and the Big Ten and the SEC essentially becoming, if they were to break off, becoming – the amateur football, the AAA of football, I think that there's tons of room for that next tier to be a better product for why most people watch college football. 
which is the pageantry and the support of their school. You know, um, I think that going to Omaha and watching Oregon State win a college baseball title, college World Series title, was way better than any AAA game I've ever gone to. The AAA players are better than the Oregon State players ever were, but it's supporting my team. It's watching them go through it. So I think that there, you know, if there's whatever, 60 schools that make that top tier, I still think that second tier is a viable tier that can continue to grow and financially contribute to their schools uh, and be successful if they're inclusive and get commitments of financial investment from all the schools in that tier. Adam, final word. There's going to be so many changes. It's it's exhausting, like looking at the day to day, kind of feeling you know where it's going to be in the end. But for right now, we're you know we're dealing with it kind of a week to week, day to day, hour to hour changes. Um, and I think there's going to be by the time it's all said and done in four or five years, it's going to look dramatically different. I'll reiterate again, but as a state of Nevada, we're going to sit back and let dying states like Iowa. Alabama, Mississippi, and others decide our fate. That just seems stupid to me. I mean, I I don't disagree, but you gotta you gotta put your money where your mouth is, right? They're they're investing ten to fifteen to twenty times more than the schools here in their athletics programs. Now, some would say, do we value education or athletics? I would say, based on our funding model here, we value neither. Um, right. We don't fund either at a sufficient level to be competitive on the national scale. So, um, you know, I think that that's st slowly starting to change as we mature as a city and as residents stay. You know, when I was a kid, it was a transient town. It's not like that anymore. Um, and so right. I think those things will develop. I mean, on the funding part of it, I will say that it is easier when you're getting 60 to $80 million from your conference to then say, hey, we're going to invest even more beyond that. When you're getting six, it's a little bit difficult to, one, close the gap and then get people to fund even more beyond that. So... It's a broken system, and uh, For sure. sadly, I, I just don't think a lot of the, the Western states and group of five states are doing much. They're just sitting around. It's like, hey, whatever happens, happens. Okay. That's how you want to operate. I, I think it's pretty silly. 766-1400 uh, is the number, 775 in the north. Justin, great job today. We appreciate it. We come back. Shannon Kelly's going to check in from Arena. We'll talk about uh, recent success of Alford Squad. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports, Reno. Boone, three on the left side. No good. Rebound Blackshear. Nevada steals it in Vegas. 69-66. The Wolfpack beats UNLV. Uh, the reminder from DeMond, that was a terrible Saturday night for Rebel fans who were really into the game. Good crowd showed up. And Chad uh, Kelly's. Nevada Wolfpack pull off the monumental comeback to win it. Shannon, how are you? Hey guys, I am doing good. Happy Wednesday. Doing good. Um, still not that happy. Still not that happy <laughs> on Saturday. Uh, before we get to the uh, the victory by Alford Squad over UNLV, uh, that got them going in the right direction because I think Wyoming's a pretty decent team, but boy, last night Nevada just freaking crushed them, seventy six to. 58. So what, what were some of the things that went well for the pack? 
yeah, you look at that game, and certainly a much different game than the first time when Nevada faced Wyoming back up uh, in Laramie about a month ago. But you just look defensively, really, just how they locked in there in the first half. And I think the defense just really helped spark their offense. They only allowed 21 points to Wyoming in the first half. You look at the Cowboys starting five, Wendell was the only player to even make a field goal uh, for Wyoming there. In the first half, and they shot 6 of 23 from the floor and, and just 2 of 12 from 3 in the first half. So I think, you know, Nevada certainly clamped down on defense, and that's been, you know, their strong suit this season. But that game in particular, because that wasn't the case up in Laramie last month when Wyoming had shot almost 60% from the floor and from 3. So I think just defensively being able to lock down and, and Trey Coleman had another big game defensively and offensively for whatever reason he loves playing uh, the Cowboys. Uh, he had uh, more than 20 points now uh, against them both games this season, 20 plus points. So, and he typically isn't uh, Nevada's leading scorer. So it was good to see uh, him have some success against them as well. And, and a, a big win really every game is big from here on out as we're cl- getting closer to March. So, Shannon, I've got to take it back to Saturday because I am a UNLV guy, and that's the one game a year where I really just want to be a fan, where I want to sit in the stands with my buddies and just cheer on UNLV. Towards the end of that game, how did Nevada pull it out? There was It was a tough game. They stepped up the defense, but just how did they get the job done down towards the end? It was a crazy game. I mean, it could have really went one way or another, but it just came down to the free throws at the end. Jared Lucas had made those four big free throws. Daniel Foster had a big bucket there towards the end, and um, that was just the difference, I mean, that they were able to to lock down and focus in because by no means was that their best game of the season. I mean, they had, you know, 17 turnovers in that game. Uh, You know, they hadn't shot the ball all that well. Um, I think, you know, they just really focused and locked in. And I think probably coming off of that New Mexico game where they could have won it there in the final seconds, just a few nights prior at home, I think that probably motivated them to say, hey, you know, we have a chance here. We're within striking distance. You know, let's try and close this thing out. And they were able to do it and get the win. So I've got to ask about Coach Alford. His first win against Kruger, did anyone make mention of that? Is he taking that with a badge of honor that he was finally able to defeat Kevin Kruger? <laughs> well, I asked him about defeating UNLV after, and, you know, I said, hey, for a lot of these guys, you know, it is their first time, you know, beating them. And he said, yeah, it was a, you know, it's always a big game to, to beat your in-state rival and whatnot, but also looking at the bigger picture of things and how important that game because – you know, he gave a lot of credit to UNLV for how they played. And he said, that's a, they're a scary good team. And, you know, you know they're going to see them again in a couple weeks. So I think by no stretch, you know, this one could have easily gone uh, either way. But, yeah, as you said, that was the first first game that Coach Alford was able to defeat uh, Coach Kruger down at UNLV and uh, in his career. Shannon Kelly, Nevada Sports Net up with Cohield and Company as we finished off our – Reno Hour is uh, it's brought to you every day between four and five by Battleborn Injury Alert seven six six fourteen hundred is a number. Going back to your mention of Foster, uh, he's one of those guys. I, I this is I'm not trying to disrespect the kid. Every time I watch him play, I'm like I don't think he can play. Uh, then he was matched up on DJ Thomas and he didn't get destroyed defensively. He had an in between jumper at the end of a shot clock. I think it was. Uh, in the first half, and then out of nowhere, down the stretch, he makes a couple of key buckets. You, you, you need guys like that on teams 
who may not be the most talented dudes, but in key moments, they could do something for you. They grab a rebound. They make a key bucket, maybe something defensively. He's he's a sneaky good player and a valuable guy on Alford's team. He is, and he's really gotten better this season. I think last year, you know, and even the year before, we really didn't see – what he was truly capable of because he was hurt. He was battling with some injuries and coach Alford has always spoke really highly of him, but no one really saw his true potential. And I think now you're really seeing it just defensively, how much of an impact he can make. I mean, last night, you know, he played 20 minutes and he had two points and it was a dunk, but just defensively what he was able to do against the Cowboys as well. I mean, some plays you're like, okay, you know, as you said, offensively kind of surprises you, but, you know, I think we're maybe so more so a little bit surprised just because we hadn't seen him at his full potential um, these last couple of years. But he's certainly stepped up for the Wolfpack big on defense this year, and they've needed him in a lot of close games. Shannon, for me, seeing is believing. And coming into the UNLV UNR game, I was thinking, hey, if they can keep Blackshear in check, oh, they'll be fine. But some of the other players were kind of surprising me. Nick Davison, where he hit Keelan Boone with a nice post move towards the end of the game, I'm thinking, we got to worry about this guy too. Who are some of those role players that maybe people aren't expecting to be stars from Nevada but have stepped up their game later in the season? Nick Davidson, really, he's been one of the biggest ones on my list. I mean, you look at what he's been able to do. He's had a couple double-doubles, and, you know, he was the Mount West Player of the Week last week. And then you look at that game against UNLV, 19 points, 11 rebounds, so being able to get it done inside and outside. He's just grown so much as a player. And I think, you know, I feel like sometimes in this era of college basketball, you don't necessarily see that because, Players are just transferring all the time, and he's a guy now who's been there. He redshirted, then he played last year, and then now we're really seeing him play this year. I mean, he was playing behind Will Baker last year, but we're really seeing what he can do. I think, you know, he's been a guy that's been a lot of fun to watch, and then even just, you know, Daniel Foster defensively. You know, we've seen K.J. Himes defensively, what he can do out there, and, you know, it's kind of fun, too, to see when Trey Coleman, um, you know, gets on a roll offensively because that's, you know, not really his calling card. Um, you know, he's always getting matched up with the best defenders, and that's what, you know, he hangs his hat on. But it's fun to see when he can uh, get in the mix offensively too. Yeah, he was impressive because he. I thought he would get in foul trouble and be knocked out of the game. He got in foul trouble in the first half, didn't play a lot of time, and then played really responsible basketball on uh, UNLV's point guard, Deedon Thomas. Last thing on this game, uh, we saw Keenan Blackshear kind of dancing near midcourt after the win as uh, the pack takeout. UNLV in a stunning comeback, and then he jumped in the air. Who was the staffer that he freaking destroyed in the air and almost knocked to the ground? Yeah, that was Corey Barnett, uh, assistant coach Corey Barnett. I actually didn't see that live in real time as I was shooting. I was uh, focusing on the handshake line, so I'm actually pretty bummed that I missed that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was Corey Barnett. So, thankfully, he was okay, and uh, they didn't have to put a – Coach Barnett on the IR or anything. Freaking body cast on him. You don't want to jump yeah. in the air against you know, 6'6", 225 in uh, yeah. Keenan Blackshear. Um, things are going well for the program in terms of funding. What is this new basketball building that they're putting together? Yeah, the Eric and Linda Lannis basketball building. They uh, broke ground back over the summer, back in June, and uh, an $8 million project. Um, $4 million were given from the Lannis family and then a couple other uh, anonymous donors gave some money for the program or to the uh, project as well, but it's a uh, new locker room for the men's and women's basketball programs. I mean, I've seen some of the renderings and if, you know, it comes to 
fruition like like the photos uh, see photos are. I think it's going to be really awesome. Um, yeah, two story building, and it's uh, right near campus, right by Lawler there, and right by the Ramon Sessions practice facility. So it'll be pretty cool to see when it's all said and done. Um, just cool to see that there's new renovations and new things happening, and then uh, only a, a matter of time before the, the new arena in a few years as well. Uh, last one, if people go to Nevada Sportsnet, they can read about uh, high school basketball being in town. Lawler's going to be really busy, right, coming up? It will be. It will be. Yeah, it all started uh, today, actually. It's been happening all day over at Lawler. Um, yeah, the 4A, 3A, 2A, 1A state basketball tournaments happening in town at Lawler and at the Virginia Street Gym. And then get those done in time before the Nevada UNLV women's basketball game on Saturday night. So, um, yeah, so it's going to be a really, really busy week. But the Lowry and Fernley girls will battle it out again for a state title uh, for a rematch again tomorrow. Should be a good one uh, over at Lawler and a busy week of hoops, no doubt. All right, Shannon. We appreciate a couple minutes. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks as always. There she is. Shannon Kelly, excellent job for Nevada Sportsnet. Shannon Kelly underscore TV up on Twitter. Um, just to update you quickly, Damon, on something that we we talked about earlier in the show, Bootgate with Dedon Thomas. So the Running Rebels Twitter account put out some pictures of the travel up here to Colorado Springs. It's Cofield. I'm here in Colorado Springs getting ready for UNLV at Air Force tonight, 8 o'clock tip, 7.30 with Running Rebel warm-up, and he was wearing a walking boot. I clarified earlier in the show, both amongst us and with Curtis Terry, he's been wearing the boot on and off as a preventative measure the entire season. The response to that I'm seeing on social media is that uh, people aren't buying it, that I'm lying. I, I don't know what to tell you. Like I said. What, in, what incentive do I have to lie when the team's social media account put it out there, which means to me that they don't think it's a big deal? I'm just telling you what I've seen all season. Cut it out. <laughs> Steve, you're not going to so get dopey. one over on me, Steve. You know where your bread is buttered. You wouldn't yes. go against the program. And yeah. me and UNLV guy 33544 on Twitter, we both know it's Steve. So you well, keep, keep, keep calling me on it, and I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm sorry. You got me in the, the great cover-up of uh, a minor ankle twinge that DJ's been dealing with the entire season. So uh, I, I, did, I, I did bring it up to Curtis Terry earlier that there were a couple of cases where um, DJ did miss some shots and didn't maybe have – his traditional lift on the shots. So um, we'll see what happens tonight. I mean, I think it's – to me, this is a feather in his cap that he's been battling some sort of injuries throughout the year because as a true freshman 18-year-old, he is smaller than most of the point guards in this league. And the approach – I mean, we had Joe Scott on the other day, and Joe Scott, the Air Force coach, was saying, you know, the best teams in this conference – kind of went on a little rant, and it was kind of – it was a little bit subtle, but he went on a rant basically, hey uh, – you know, this conference with the officiating, it's tough, man. They let you play really rough ball. And he said Air Force is at a bit of a disadvantage. Uh, but he said that's why San Diego State and Boise State are as good as anyone in the conference year after year. And it's not just the officiating, but they've built their teams to have the ability to beat you up in waves. And I will tell you that two of the games that Deedon Thomas got kind of manhandled and hooked and pushed and pumped the most – and you can go back and watch it on TV. 
was against Boise and was against San Diego State. And listen, if, uh, you know, Lamont Butler and Darian Trammell hit and foul DJ Thomas a combined 20 times, they, they ain't going to foul both of them out. They might each get three fouls, but the referees know, and, you know, what's going on here, and they let a, a little more physicality exist in the game. That's just the way it is. But, yeah, I mean, make, make no mistake about it. Um, Deion Thomas has been roughed up the entire year, and, you know, I'm not saying he's severely injured, but really at this point in the year, most teams have every, – every guy has some kind of bump and bruise that they're dealing with. All right, 5 o'clock hours on the way. A dude who played a very physical sport, knows a lot about football, played for UNLV, Caleb Herring, is going to join us. And then Arash, also in the 5 o'clock hour. Arash was our, our man on the scene, the Sporting Tribune's man on the scene as he went to the NBA All-Star Weekend.